Hello and welcome to Love Signals. My name is Michaela McDonald and I will be your host as we continue this journey of exploring all the ways that love is sending signals to us and through us. Welcome back everybody. So here we are. This is episode 37 and I have to tell you just right off the top, it's the evening. As you know, I live in the desert of Southern California and as I was preparing to record tonight, I take some moments to be quiet and in a moment of quiet, I could hear an owl hooting outside of my little studio casita. And this is an owl that I've been hearing a lot in the wee hours of the morning, like around 5 a.m. or so. And oh my gosh, so I decided to go outside and I looked around and I heard an owl off to, what would that be, the east? And then I heard another owl off to the west. And I was trying, you know, it's basically, there's like a little bit of light left out, but the sun set about an hour ago, so it's pretty dark out. And as I was just kind of starting to like, I was looking out and I could see the silhouette of a Joshua tree to the west where there was a bit more light in the sky. So the silhouettes were easier to see. And I was like, gosh, maybe what the, that's a t- at the top of that Joshua tree, that little, that little spike, maybe that's an owl sitting there. And I was like, ah, I don't know, it's not moving. And then I did see it move and it moved as I heard a sound. And I've seen this before. I believe it's the um, great horned owls where they kind of dip forward when they hoot. And <laughs> it's really cute. And it was doing that. And then all of a sudden, I heard wings flapping, that kind of sound of air and wings. And on my right, coming from behind me back to the east, flying towards the other owl was that second owl. And it flew. And the first one actually left the yucca and went up to like a nearby um, telephone pole or, or electricity pole to the very top of that. And the owl that had flown over uh, sat on the yucca and they kind of had a moment in the air where they were kind of interacting. It felt very friendly. And, um, and then I continued to watch and the one that was, I think on the telephone pole then did like a beautiful dive down into the desert, probably hunting. And then the one that was on the yucca went up to that high up telephone pole spot. And it just, oh, it just felt so sweet. Like they're, they're having a night, they're communicating I imagine that they're mates. I know that great horned owls do mate um, for, I think, a long time. I don't think it's for life necessarily, but it seems like it's a significant amount of time. And it just, it warmed my heart. It warmed my heart to see those creatures being so alive and so present. And something I really love about where I live is that nature is really dominant. The animals, the plants... And while the plants out here are a bit quieter and softer because, well, not softer, but like their colors are softer because it's the desert, there is still something very strong about the presence of nature out here. And I love that. So it was just felt like a fun love signal moment at the beginning of this podcast. And that feels so right. (laughs) So um, today I'd like to talk about the value of making words of affirmation and love and kindness familiar to us. What happens when words of kindness, words of appreciation, words of respect and um, confidence uh, 
are what's familiar, when those are the voices in our heads. And this is something that I, I think it's like we all know it, but we don't always acknowledge it, that we have voices in our heads. Michael Singer in his book, uh, The Untethered Soul, talks about how you know, when we get still and we get quiet, we can notice that there's that voice in our head that's always kind of narrating things. And we aren't that voice. We are the consciousness witnessing that voice. But that voice is still, it's definitely a, a dominant part of our experience, as especially most of us. And <clears throat> on top of that, I think that there's ways that that voice gets conditioned based on what is most familiar. So for example, I think many of us, the voice in our head, maybe there's there's flavors of it, right? Or, or versions of it or different different voices even. You could even think of the Pixar film Inside Out where this, you know, like, I think she's like a preteen girl has five different voices in her head of the different emotions, um, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. And um, <laughs> that are just all these really cute little creatures that they've animated and given awesome voice actor talent to. Um, but this idea that there's there could be different voices and maybe they even kind of battle with each other and all of that. But I think that some of the voices in our heads come from what we were exposed to as kids. They come from our parents, our siblings, our friends, but our parents in particular, right? Because our parents often are who we've been around the most as we grew up from, you know, being an infant to being, you know, 18 or older. And so it's interesting because we, we all have different parents and our parents all had different parents. And there is a lot of variety when it comes to how mindful parents are about the words that they say to their kids. And so much of that comes from, you know, they're just doing the best they can with what they've been exposed to and what they're aware of. And it is such a gift when a parent is mindful and, and really chooses to be a voice that inevitably becomes internalized, that is full of warmth and encouragement, that you know, really believes in the child and that holds that child to high standards, you know, and, and holds a, a vision for them that's strong and beautiful. And yeah, so it's like, right, it's like that kind of the masculine and the feminine qualities of parental energy, right? There's the kind of more masculine of like, I know that you can achieve great things and I, and I, I want to cheer you on as you move towards things, you know, make me proud kind of thing. And then the more feminine of like, I love you exactly as you are. And like, I, I just want to be sweet to you and kind to you and take care of you. And, and not that those energies necessarily align with like the male parent versus the female parent. Um, I think there could be a lot of variety when it comes to all of that, but this idea of, you know, what are the voices that we've internalized from childhood from our parents? What are those like? And, and maybe you're having that pop into your mind right now. You know, what are familiar interactions that you had with your parents? And therefore, what might be the kind of familiar internal narrative for you that lives in your mind as far as how you talk to yourself when you do a good job, when you maybe don't do a good job, and beyond, you know? Uh, I think so many people, and I know I really noticed this as I worked with women in my coaching practice, 
A lot of people have harsh internal narratives, and some of that comes from parents, and some of that comes from just ourselves. Um, and some of it even, I think, isn't necessarily the things that we heard our parents say, but it can also be the things we kind of heard our parents say to themselves, or that we even kind of felt them saying to themselves, or judging, or 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 encouraging, right? Um, and so. I, I am not one of those people who likes to blame all of my issues on my parents, and I don't encourage other people to do that. Um, I know that sometimes therapy can kind of fall into that tendency. <laughs> um, and and simultaneously, I do think, of course, so much of how we perceive reality and so much of how we relate to reality is based on our primary caregivers, our parents. And, you know, we're sponges as infants and children, and we absorb all of that because we're learning from them how to survive, how to live life and exist in this very intricate and complex world of, you know, social norms and, and you know, survival. And anyway, there's a lot of layers going on there. And so I don't think we need to ignore it. And I don't think any blame needs to be cast. There is no blame, partly because... I just land on the fact that whatever we're working with, wherever you may be in this moment, you have so much choice and you have so much power to to change that for the better. Whether it's just improving on something that's already really great or improving on something where there's challenges. I think that the challenges that are laid out for us in our lives, wherever they may come from, are really here to support us in becoming who who we're really meant to be and like the like the full-fledged version of ourselves so that is a very general statement which i don't love making general statements but um so there's of course caveats to that and nuance but in general i just come back to we're empowered we have choice and there's no need to blame because everything is here to support us in reconnecting with love and connecting with our own hearts and finding our way forward. So, <laughs> so this internal voice, right? That's what I'm talking about here. Um, so I think sometimes when we think about internal voices, there's this sense of, oh my gosh, well, my internal voice is not that nice. I really need to reprogram it. And this is something that a lot of self-help people help people with. <laughs> and in a way, that's part of the world that I kind of dipped my toes into with some of the videos that I listened to and watched this past week. I, um, I was tuning into Marissa Peer, who's a wonderful psychotherapist and hypnotherapist, as well as Bruce Lipton, who I believe is a doctor, Dr. Bruce Lipton. And Dr. Bruce Lipton was talking about how repetition can be used to program the mind and to reprogram the mind. And Marissa Peer was talking about how wonderful it is to make praise familiar. And she was talking about the power of what we say to each other and what we say to ourselves. And so basically this whole episode is about the power of words, the power of what we say to one another. And I love thinking about this because obviously Love Signals and the original year-long self-love letter project was about words. I was spending time every single day 
writing out words of praise, love, affirmation, reassurance, kindness, beauty, all of that. That's what I was spending that year doing. And I realize now, as I think about this, you know, words are powerful, make praise familiar kind of idea and, and use repetition to program your mind. I realize how in practicing saying loving things to myself and in practicing noticing love and where it might be coming from, I was doing, so I was doing the repetition piece of this puzzle, right? And I was thereby making praise familiar. And I really think that that's a powerful aspect of the Love Signals project. And I didn't really consciously realize that that's what I was doing at the time. It's more now that as I reflect, I realize, wow, I was making praise familiar. I was making love familiar. And I was repeating these ideas, these sentiments, and making them deeply um, familiar and friendly in my mind. And some of the things that I'd say felt foreign initially and kind of weird and uncomfortable. And, and as time went on, they started to feel more like, oh, yeah. And now it's like, man, they just come. It's like that internal voice is just there. Like if I'm like, hmm, I want to connect with like the, the love, the, the love voice, the love internal narrative here. And it's there. It's just ready. I've really felt that a lot today. I woke up before the sunrise and I really got to witness the changing of the light this morning and the feeling of the the initial rays of the sun as they touched my face reminded me so much of the first half of the year-long love letter project because I basically was watching the sunrise as I wrote every single one of those letters down on the little porch of the building I lived at in Boulder, Colorado. And um, I just remember that feeling and I'd be listening to like really beautiful music by Claude Debussy or Eric Satie and I could hear the birds chirping too because my headphones were very very mellow <laughs> and mm, there's just such a sense of wonder and there's this way that the the rays of the sun as they touched my face today filled me with that feeling of love and you know I'm so glad you're here and I love you and it's so good to be alive like just like all this positivity this very positive narrative is anchored to the sunrise for me now which is pretty cool. Actually, I'm kind of realizing that right now as I say it. So this is powerful, right? We are conditioning ourselves with the things we do, with the actions we take, with what we pair together, right? I was pairing together music I love that makes me feel wistful and delighted with life, with sunrise, which is already so intrinsically beautiful to me, with words of love and kindness. That's a pretty powerful combination, right? And so not only was I cultivating this internal voice, but I was also pairing it so that the sunrise makes me feel that way and so that that music makes me feel that way. And I know I've talked about anchors before on the podcast, but just to summarize here, anchor is a word that comes from neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, and it's basically this idea of how the brain pairs things together. So very common anchors for people are smell, like the smell of the perfume that your grandma wore. And when you smell it, you feel like you're with her or you feel like you're in her house again. I know for me, 
there's this certain kind of dish soap that they used at the preschool I went to in Seattle. And every time I smell it, I can like, it's like, I feel like I'm in preschool again. And I'm washing this really cute little light blue and white checkered kerchief. Another common anchor for people uh, is songs. And, you know, like you think about like, oh, like you hear a song and it reminds you of somebody you dated in high school. And there's all those feelings that you almost feel like you're in high school again, or you hear a song and it reminds you, like it gets you pumped up, like you feel like so ready to go because that's what your coach always played as you guys were getting ready to play a game in basketball or whatever it might be. And so we consciously and unconsciously create anchors all throughout our lives. Like I know, I know a big one for a lot of people is, and movie theaters have literally done this. They've conditioned us to associate these things of like, if you're going to the movies, you should get popcorn. You should definitely get popcorn in a movie, popcorn in a movie, right? Like that is such a deep anchor for all of us. We've seen visual cues to make us associate those things. But there's a way like when I go to a theater, like I just imagine popcorn. I don't get the popcorn they sell there because I'm very particular <laughs> about the foods I eat, but I've definitely snuck popcorn into the theater many times. And that's my secret. And I needed you to know that. <laughs> anyway, so anchors are are this thing that, you know, we, we all are doing all the time, um, intentionally or unintentionally. And I think that doing it intentionally can be so wonderful. And one of my favorite anchors that I give as an assignment to clients is to connect with a good feeling. It could be anytime as you're going throughout your day and you just feel like really peaceful and good, like maybe you're in the bath and you feel super relaxed or maybe, you know, you're talking to a friend and they're just like telling you that they love you and they're reminiscing about a really good time you had together and you feel really like, ah, relaxed and happy. Just put your hand on your heart. And this could be more your energetic heart right in the middle of your chest versus your anatomical heart, which would be more to the left, whatever you like, and just breathe and just feel that. And so then it becomes that when you put your hand there, you can actually start to feel those feelings of warmth and ease or whatever it is. So there's a lot to play with here, but I think that our minds are incredible and the associations we make are powerful and we have a lot more control than we think. And sometimes we can feel kind of like, oh no, like it's always going to be this way. I'm always going to be scared of that thing. Like for example, I'm just doing a lot of storytelling today. I hope you all are enjoying it. <laughs> I have had this fear of hills, which sounds so silly when I say it out loud. I've had a fear of hills for a lot of my life. Um, I grew up in this beautiful neighborhood, like as a, as a small, small child in Washington. And there was a hill just outside of our house. And I remember I had a dream about it once where I like walked down it or my stroller rolled down it and like I couldn't get back up. Like it's this like I can't get back up. <laughs> and then when I was like five, we lived in Hawaii and I interacted with a lot of large waves and had a few had a few kerfuffles, <laughs> so to speak. And I think that hills and waves feel very similar to me. Also, um, when I was little, we traveled to San Francisco and those hills are very intense. And I remember just feeling like the car was going to roll back. Like there's just all these very creative things happening that my brain suggests of like, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this other scary thing is going to happen. And so even like walking on hills or like walking down a really steep hill, 
can be hard for me. I don't mind going up as much, but even that, if it's super steep, I'm just like, mm, I just imagine myself just falling and losing grip and all that. So it sounds like a fear of heights, but I don't really think it is. I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with heights. It's very specific to hills. And this is the, <laughs> the intricacy and humor of our, our minds. And so this is a fun, a fun um, turnaround that's been happening lately. I live near the Bureau of Land Management's kind of large land area in the desert where I'm at. And there's all these dunes and all these hills. And these are like super steep hills that are basically just sand. Um, so it's very easy to just kind of, blah, 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 you know, roll, roll on down. Um, and my partner loves to train on them by running up and down them. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do that. And then, and this was months ago. And then I was like, you know what? Just because I've been afraid of hills in the past doesn't mean I always have to be that way. Like I can create a new association. I don't want to always feel this way. And I know that exposure therapy is profound. Jordan Peterson talks about that. He references that there's been many studies done that say that exposure therapy is actually one of the best ways and the most consistently tried and true way to help somebody overcome a fear or a phobia. And that's because our brain's creating new associations with it. You're seeing, you know, like for somebody who has a fear of snakes, it's like I'm interacting with a snake and I'm still okay. You're giving your brain new, new data, new proof, new associations. And so off I go. And I decided to start not only walking down the hills and these are like soup. These are crazy steep hills, you guys. I mean, they're very, very tall too. Not only going down them, but also coming back up them. And these are the kind of hills where it's like if you stand at the top, you can't see the entire hill. Like it goes so steep that you it's like it it's like on a roller coaster where you just see that you're like going over the crest, but you can't see where you're going exactly. They kind of do that. And I actually I did some of these recently this last weekend, and it was interesting to notice how I still felt that nervousness that like and and it but it really felt like it was just an old thought of like that's too intense we're gonna freak out that's too scary that's we're scared of that that's basically the narrative for me we're scared of that (laughs) looking at it was like "Mm, I don't think so and I was like I'm just gonna do it I want to do it and I I just want to see I want to see what happens I have a feeling I will be okay And I did it. I did it twice, actually. There were two big hills that we not only went up, but also down. (laughs) And it was awesome. It was awesome. It was exhilarating. And I think how cool for me, um, and I'll share this because maybe this example carries over for you in some way, overcoming that fear by facing it also requires that I do something that's pretty cardiovascularly intense. I'm walking slash running slash crawling up a hill. I frequently will end up putting my hands down so that I can crawl up these hills. It's pretty funny. Just feels like I can grip more. (laughs) But um, I think it's really cool that my body is going into that like state of, you know, breathing really deeply and like, because it's so invigorating. So the cool benefit of that is that it's such a state change and such a positive feeling of like, feeling alive, feeling powerful in my body, even though I, I can feel very winded, very like, ooh, man, like, like, what are those cardio levels? And there's the one where you can't really breathe, or sorry, you can breathe, but you can't really talk. I definitely hit that um, both times with these hills. And 
I think that that is like, if you can change your physical state in some way as part of the anchor, as part of the new association with something, especially if it's towards something positive where you feel alive, where you feel invigorated, that can really help to anchor in this new association. So now it's almost like I'm starting to build kind of like a pleasure association with hills of like, yeah, I want to I want to walk up a hill. And that's great too, because I'm kind of building off of my love of hiking. So we'll see how it goes. I know the last time I was in San Francisco, which was I think sometime in 2021, <laughs> my uh, navigation sent me through, basically through downtown San Francisco to get to the airport from where I was. And I was like, I just feel like there was a more direct way. And I had to go up a bunch of hills and then down a bunch of hills. And <laughs> the car that I had rented had a lot of a lot of wiggle room in um, what happened when it was when the brakes were on, where it would roll back a little bit, even when the brakes were pressed. And I was just so worried I was going to like make somebody rear end me basically when I was stopped on a hill and people would pull behind me and I had to switch from the brake to the gas or whatever was going on. And I just, oh my gosh, it was, it was such a moment of me facing that hill fear. And I think the thing that made it the most intense was that I didn't feel like I was choosing it. I felt like, ah, this is happening to me. I didn't want this. I didn't realize there were going to be all these hills. But I was able to bring some levity to it by just like laughing and just being like, and just kind of shouting even of like, I don't like this. (laughs) This is not fun. And almost just being like, I can't believe this is what's happening now. But in kind of a comical way, like I was in a sitcom or something. <laughs> and it all worked out. And and I actually did feel like, wow, okay, this is clearly an opportunity to just do the thing that I'm very scared of. And I'm curious to see what happens the next time I'm in a hilly area, whether it's San Francisco or I don't know, wherever, and I'm driving because I have a feeling it's going to feel different this next time. I feel like between the running up the hills and just this awareness that I'm bringing I think things are going to be changing. So this is getting a little longer than my episodes have been lately because I just just wanted to talk story with you all. Um, so this is just to illustrate, right? I'm illustrating this idea of how the things we tell ourselves, right? I was there, I was dealing with hills, which I had established because I decided at one point in my life, these are scary <laughs> because of bad dreams and I don't know, very fantastical imaginings. And maybe some experiences with tall waves. Who knows? But then I've started to shift that by making the association different. By making it more about like, oh my gosh, this is an opportunity to feel my resilience, to feel my ability to overcome a fear, to feel my ability to be strong in my body and capable. And I, as I talk about it now, I can even remember as I was driving up those hills in San Francisco that... There was this part of me that was like, I'm doing it. This is the thing that I've said that I was so scared of and I'm okay. I'm doing it. And so to really like to tease out those thoughts of encouragement and praise and and reframing, that's where I think a lot of magic can happen. So I have a very sweet love letter that I want to read to you all. It just, it's, it's amazing. I... Honestly, I love the process of choosing letters for these podcasts because I just get to like open up my old journals to whatever stands out to me. And this was so fun because I just opened it up and the very first page had what I felt like was the perfect one. So this is from November 25th, 2020. 
and I'll read it and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So last night, as my mind was busy with details and daydreams, I gently placed my hands on my body and even the top of my head and told myself, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do and have done. You did a great job today and you get to rest now. You get to sleep knowing all is well and you are loved. I love you. I love you. I love you. And now here I am awake (laughs) and I feel love all over again. Here we are. I love you. That is such a fun one to me and it Oh, it connects so well to this idea of making praise familiar because I think this is such a great example of phrases and words that we can say to ourselves, right? How how beautiful to, as you're getting ready for bed, as you're laying in bed, to tell yourself, I love you, thank you, thank you for all that you do and have done. You did a great job today and now you get to rest. You get to sleep knowing all is well and you are loved. I love you right? I love you. I love you. I love you. Just to make that so familiar, anchoring that in almost like bathing and, and, and just like, I'm I'm trying, what am I trying to say? It feels like pouring petals on something. Like it's just showering. That's what it is. Showering. (laughs) Thanks for hanging in there with me. Showering yourself with this love and this sweetness and this acknowledgement, like, hey, you did a good job. I love you. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for everything you did. And it's okay. You can sleep now. And I know that part of why I was saying that is because my mind being busy with details and daydreams, ooh, your girl is uh, very into planning and details. And I know that gosh, November 25th, I was like deep in planning mode of the road trip and move that I was going to do January 1st. And so (laughs) I'm sure there were a lot of logistics that I was just like, just really going over hardcore. And, and I also knew like, Hey, it's time to go to bed. Like it's really time. And so it's so fun because then that, that letter I wrote in the morning and so I was saying, you know, this is what I did last night. And this this is so sweet. And it's like, I it's so cool that I documented that because I don't remember doing that. But I remember because I wrote it down. And so, oh my gosh, ding, ding, ding. Here's another layer of how to make praise, make love familiar. It's like you could do the thing, but then you could also document that you did the thing, right? It's like, give yourself a hug in the morning and tell yourself you love yourself and and put on lotion and thank the body part that you're lotioning. And then write about how you did that later. Make it familiar on many levels. Let your awareness wrap around the reality of how kind you are being to yourself. And how much love is here for you. And how much love you're choosing to connect with. Let that become vivid. Let yourself see it. In written forms, let yourself hear it. Maybe you record yourself saying things. Let yourself do it. Act it out. Anyway, so I'm getting all amped and excited about this. Um, I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. As always, 
please reach out if you want to share ideas or books. I just bought a bunch of new books and I think that I'm going to be reading some new books here soon. I've been enjoying some fiction books lately and uh, I'm going to circle back to some more self self-development and I'll be sharing those with you as we go here. And I've been reading the uh, A Mini Course for Life, which is such a deep and beautiful journey. I look forward to sharing more about that once, I think once I'm through it. So it's kind of a 18 day process. So, and I'm on day 12, 13, something in there. <laughs> anyway, you can reach out. My email is lovesignalspodcast at gmail.com. That's lovesignalspodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with someone or just share the idea or just share words of praise and love with them or share them with yourself because you are loved and you get to play that role for yourself too. Like the love is here. You're loved by a love that's greater than any of us could ever fathom. And you could be the mouthpiece for that. You can speak that into this moment. You can write that into this moment. So that's it for today. I'll leave you with our beloved phrase. There is so much love here for you. May you feel it more and more every day in every way. Until next time, take care.